This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. TMI's Treasury Cast and HSBC Cybot Spotlight. I'm Eleanor Hill, editor of TMI, and I'm delighted to be working with HSBC to bring you an in-depth look at the events from this year's Cybos. So throughout this series, we'll explore the critical topics on the Cybos 2021 agenda, those which are shaping our industry in the next decade, including sustainability, digital acceleration, and technological innovation. We'll also examine the opportunities and challenges in the areas of payments, securities, cash management and trade. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio today by Nadine Lagamit, Managing Director, Global Head of Financial Institutions, Global Liquidity and Cash Management, HSBC, and Siraj Kalati, Global Head of Liquidity and Investments Products, Global Liquidity and Cash Management, HSBC. We're going to talk through some of the aspects of ESG that perhaps deserve a little more attention, as well as the evolution of ESG investments. So welcome, both of you. Great to have you here. Uh, Excited to have this chat with you. Nadine, I'd like to kick off with you, I think, because we talk so much about ESG these days, which is a great thing. But I'm just wondering how you're clients' attitudes towards ESG have changed? You know, how are you seeing it evolve? Do they see it as a business imperative and a value add? Or are some of them still maybe a little bit more sceptical, a little bit of eye rolling? Yes, thank you, Eleonor. Thank you first for giving me and Siraj the opportunity to talk about this very important topic. It's great to be able to share with the listeners some of what we're doing. Um, As you know, I I lead the business development team covering Mm -hmm. financial institution and public sector clients. So we have a wide range, banks, asset managers, asset owners, insurers, government. So I can answer, try to answer that question in a wider brief. But I would say from the beginning is that in my view and the discussion with the customer, it is becoming a business imperative. And the facts are that when you look at the public commitment that each of the industry uh, players have made, and I think it's worth You know, even so, it might be known, but it does give a really important fact that what is the commitment out there publicly. Mm -hmm. So if you just take uh, the bank side, for example, many of our clients are members of the Net Zero Banking Alliance. This now has 53 banks from 27 countries, representing almost a quarter of global banking assets. So uh, that are committed to aligning all type of activity with a hashtag ESG. If you look at the investor and the asset manager world, many of those uh, of our clients are member of Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance or the Net Zero Asset Manager Alliance. And the latter now has more than 125 signatories 
and listen to the 43 trillion worth of asset wow. under management globally that are no linked to net zero emission goal. Mm -hmm. Then on the insurance side, there was brand new news in July that eight global insurance and reinsurance players have signed up as well to the Net Zero Insurance Alliance. And those companies will be looking at the underwriting, they claim the operation, and this is where we will be talking to them about possibility to partner in reducing the uh, net zero carbon footprint. And on the public sector side, I don't have to say that more than 190 governments have signed the Paris Agreement and virtually every government around the world is setting up plan to contribute. So, you know, when you ask me, is this important for a customer? Mm. Yeah, I mean, clearly those public commitments show that. And it's not just public commitment, but in every conversation we have with customer, they want to know, one, how do we partner together to join uh, together? But they also uh, want to know about what we do as yeah. a leader. Yeah. Oh, some amazing stats then, Adine. And I think you're right. It gives a very good impression of the direction of travel and how important this theme really is for everyone. But you mentioned there a little bit about how you partner, what you can do. So tell us a bit more about the kind of solutions and insight that clients might be looking for and how HSBCs actually responded to these needs. Maybe you could give us an example or two. Sure, sure, sure. Well, firstly, you know, there's two sides of it. The first one at the basic level, our clients wants to understand what we're doing as a corporate, as a bank, with our own plan, as we are such a large company touching multiple regions and multiple um, assets. So that's very important. So leading by example is uh, very, very important. But just more practically on the cash management side, you know, an example in a recent RFP, my team worked on a regional cash management mandate for a big financial institution. Following the response, HSBC ESG credential was one of the area where the client asked to hear more about it alongside the usual deep dive into technical capability. I don't recall seeing that this a couple of years ago, and this is not just one off. And the focus there, first and foremost, is to learn what we do as a corporation ourselves so they can copy paste what we're doing in many ways. I mean, it's known, and I know you've done other podcasts, you know, that it is part of our strategy. You know, we've made some very large commitment uh, in our own operation and supply chain to net zero by 2030 or sooner and align our finance emission to the Paris Agreement goal to achieve net zero by 2050 or sooner. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it might be, be sooner, but don't quote me on this. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> so the, the second part, the customer, you know, we're seeing more that the clients are looking to us to work with them and support them in their own journey. And I think that's more than an individual conversation. This is true across all the different parts of HSBC that work with clients. And I know, Eleonore, that you've already heard from some of our experts in other podcasts at HSBC on ESG financing and sustainable supply chain. But on the GLCM side, there is an ESG angle to, to a lot of work we're doing with clients on helping them become more digital and less paper-based. Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty basic, but there's still many, many checks out there in many, many countries. So for a long time now, we've been at the forefront to work 
uh, to help to move clients, move away from using paper or plastic. Yeah. Uh, shifting from paper-based process to digital process and shifting from check to electronic. So, for example, we've helped a number of financial institutions and public sector make the transition from using check to electronic method from cross-border payment. We have clients who are physically posting hundreds of thousands of checks around the world every year. Think of inefficient use of resource. This is with a paper plane flying, flying piece of paper all over the road. <laughs> Instead, the client are now using a global disbursement platform to make all of those payments electronically. Yeah. And, and in a way, in a you know, we, this is not new, this is something, but I do believe that the pandemic in particular has accelerated this. So there's always something like a silver lining. through. Absolutely. And then I would say also that, and I know my colleague Suraj will talk more about it, but we've been very proud to launch Green Deposit in, in our 10 markets with more market in the pipeline. And But I will leave that to Suraj to cover as this his baby. We also, you know, we do find that financial institution and public sector clients are discerning investor, and they often ask us for more granularity and transparency around what the investment are supporting mm-hmm. in part measurement. And I think this is a topic that we will talk more about is the risk management around ESG and the regulatory framework. But this might be for another uh, question of yours. <laughs> we had another day, but absolutely, you're right. That is that is um, becoming front of mind for them. But let's bring Siraj into the conversation. So, Siraj, great to have you here. Um, I know we've got all kinds of things that we could talk about, but let's focus a bit on that. ESG compliant investment space because a lot of treasurers that I speak to are very interested in this in fact one of our TMI friends has moved all of her short-term investments across to being ESG compliant so what kind of options are available to treasurers for ESG investments and are there any limitations or considerations when making them? Thanks, Eleanor. Thanks for having me again, and, and good to speak to you again. So, on on the investment space, I would say you know the interest, as you mentioned, you know from your colleague, and it is consistent that we see as well from our clients that there is a lot of increased interest mm-hmm. in having more. ESG compliant instruments. Uh, the good part is that we're seeing the market also expand and the market landscape is expanding with a number of new issuers coming in, right? From financial institutions to governments and agencies uh, to even corporates who are sort of issuing paper to allow them to fund and service and finance projects that have a positive climate impact, a positive social impact as well. So there is an expansion in in the investment landscape. Alongside that, we're seeing the money fund industry also expand Mm. in terms of having options available for corporates to invest in. You know, at the end of uh, 2020, we actually saw the total assets under management in the market increased by 50% uh, to over a 148 billion in the money fund market. So you can clearly see that there is a number of funds launching ESG compliant funds. Um, There is a lot of take up in the industry as well. And a number of new issuers are coming in and sort of complementing that whole transition. We also, as Nadine mentioned in HSBC, have launched the Green Deposit product in 2020. So that's another product uh, that gives options to customers to invest in a deposit 
or place money into a deposit mm -hmm. that allows us to then utilize those funds and direct it towards our green financing across our portfolio of products as well. So again, another option, an opportunity for customers to place any excess liquidity that they have into ESG compliant products and solutions. Yeah, yeah, certainly a growing market. And as you say, huge growing demand there. But Suraj, tell us a little bit more about the green deposit product. How have clients reacted to that? Has it been really positive uptake? How do you see that uptake evolving? And are there any barriers to investment in the green deposit at all? Yeah, actually, we've been uh, tremendously encouraged by the client's interest and, and acceptance of the product. We've launched the product in 10 markets and continue to expand the footprint for the product. We've had over 100 clients who invested into the product and continue to build a portfolio of uh, clients who hold their deposits in the green product. It is something that we see being limited to the extent of green financing out in the industry as well. Yeah. And it's, it's a balance sheet that will grow on both sides. And as we see more projects being financed uh, you know, for the purpose of having a positive climate impact, we see more options and opportunities for us to also expand the green deposit portfolio and extend that to additional markets as well. But I would say the, the evolution from a product standpoint expands beyond just the deposit product as well. We've also seen innovation in, as an example, in the guard space where the use of more recyclable plastic is another way of you know trying to make a positive impact in terms of the products that we provide in the market over here. Yeah, very exciting. I like that reusable plastic in the card space. And I think that we'll see a lot more innovation around that. But definitely need to make a note in the diary to check in with you for next year's Cybos and see how we've moved on. It'll be interesting to get a bit of a comparison. And now, Nadine, I wanted to bring you back in because you know we've talked a lot here about green deposits and a lot of green. And that is one of the things when we talk about ESG, we often tend to focus on that E side of things. But how important do you think it is to embrace the S, the social values of ESG, things like diversity. And can you maybe give some examples from your team or your clients as to how you're doing this? Yes, we have to recognize that ESG goes behind tackling climate change. And I think this is where we, I think, industry and company have done incredible work starting a few years ago to make it really a way of managing people, a way of uh, making a career decision, a way for uh, future well-being. I mean, if you're not well, uh, you, you don't work well. Mm. HSBC has really, um, I think we already very much a large, diverse uh, company, you know, 64 country, 168 nationality. Um, I don't have the DNI um, exact uh, KPIs here, but I'm sure you can find them. Um, but you know, that's what makes us very different is that we are very diverse. But more to do, more to do. And uh, but on on the DNI, which is one of my passion, you know, we have been very strict uh, from a leadership point of view and from the top of the bank to have some gender balance KPI and to work on initiatives like gender pay uh, and so on. But uh, in particular this year, started this year, the bank has also embraced a commitment of ethnicity. You know, I particularly sponsor a pilot uh, with a few of my colleagues uh, and this is sponsored by a member of the board 
to really look at our black population and just give them a, a, an opportunity and a path uh, that support the, the growth. Very much what we have done over the past on the uh, gender uh, inclusion. So lots of uh, pilot, lots of program, um, depending where you are sitting at the HSBC, but making a priority uh, in managing our workforce. I think what's also important is from sitting today in brand new renovated office, and this is not just an only one, but the commitment of future of works and the flexibility and allowing people to, you know, manage uh, their personal life and, yeah. and work-life balance in a much more realistic way. And I think the pandemic has, has uh, definitely uh, challenged all of us and uh, can only... You know, we've all been wowed by the commitment and loyalty of people and the customer around this very difficult time, and it's not over. And, you know, within GLCM, we, we were, I think, at the far front within HSBC of launching initiative. I don't think we need to launch initiative anymore. That is part of our DNA, that we care for people and we really spend time also um, educating our leaders to mm -hmm. let people speak up um, about many things. And I will hand over to Suraj because he sponsored a few things this year in particular with some other colleagues around the time and the stress around the pandemic, yeah. which actually landed very well. So Suraj, all yours. Thanks, Nadine. And Eleanor, just to build, build on what Nadine said, I think the, the point around you know, the transformation in the industry from a technology standpoint, but but also the pandemic presented different types of challenges for us working in the industry, you know, from remote working to having, you know, to take care of loved ones in, in different ways. And and I think the, the toll it took on people's well-being and mental health is mm -hmm. something that we've focused on within the business and, and sharing those experiences with our uh, clients with, you know, external to the market as well is, is something that we're really trying to do very consciously as well. Uh, helping our colleagues with the right tools, you know, giving them the ability to really balance the day at work. Uh, you know, we've introduced things like uh, Mindful Mondays and, and different activities that allow people to really uh, bring their best to work uh, in these circumstances and give them the right uh, support. And that's really been well accepted and we can see that we, we get that back in terms of positive feedback. And this is the change we're trying to drive in the industry as well. well tell us more a little bit about a mindful Monday, what might happen on a mindful Monday. <laughs> So on a Mindful Monday, we invite uh, certain organizations who come in and, and guide our colleagues through, you know, meditation sessions or, you know, sort of mindfulness sessions, allows them to focus their minds and reduce and remove some of the noise around them that can get created through yeah. a stressful environment as well. And, and, you know, that way of sort of focusing and channeling your energy has been quite powerful for me as well, personally you know, to be able to then bring my best into what I do for the week. Yeah, I think that's so important, particularly when you're working remotely, because you don't have those colleagues to kind of bounce ideas off or get frustrations out to in person. And so you kind of keep it to yourself, which isn't always good. Speaking from experience, having worked from home for a long time, as you both know, yeah. <laughs> but it's great to hear what's going on. And uh, I think I might have to sign myself up for a mindful Monday. Now, Suraj, just coming back to um, the product side of things for a quick moment I'm just wondering if we could take a little look at the future there and what are you expecting in terms of maybe tighter regulation around ESG 
products and do you see any evolution in ESG products as the space matures? Absolutely. I think maybe thematically two things that stand out. One is, uh, as you mentioned, regulations and uh, and I would say standards in terms of how you know products are evaluated and what are the principles applied for them to be qualified you know to having a positive impact on the environment or on social projects and programs and and i think those standards are not consistently defined today in markets or for projects mm-hmm. so the greater adoption or standardization of those guidelines and principles is is one step uh, but what we've seen is companies and institutions sort of issuing you know investments and paper are also prescribing what are their standards that they're using and utilizing so for anyone sort of subscribing to these products and propositions it is also important to understand how the companies or the issuers actually qualifying these investments you know how are they assessing what these projects are doing and what's the benefit of these projects not only at the time of making the investment but also on an ongoing basis how are you looking back in terms of the impact these programs have made. And I think that's something till we get much more standardization in the industry, this sort of self-governance is something uh, that is very important to, to observe. The, the other piece which I would highlight, which is also important and, and an area of focus of the industry is, is data. Data across the supply chain that really talks to and, and demonstrates the impact, the social impact, the environmental impact of a transaction, of a financial transaction, of a financing project. Mm-hmm. And transparency of that data through to you know, the investor or the, the parties being impacted by that financial transaction is also very important. So I think the data generation, the data yeah. capture and the data presentation is going to be another area that we will see a lot of work and evolution in. It, it, it does help to address greenwashing, uh, which is another term in the industry, which, which sort of is a concern because of the lack of transparency at times in terms of what is the underlying instrument or the underlying activity. Absolutely. Greenwashing a key theme at the moment. And as you say, data is so important. And I think actually our listeners, our treasurers will find themselves dealing with ESG related data a lot more in the future, even though it doesn't necessarily seem like a a natural part of that financial role. It definitely will become so exciting times ahead. Both of you, we've covered quite a lot in this podcast, a kind of quick hit and run of what's going on in ESG at the moment. But what would your key takeaway be from this discussion for listeners who are looking to become ESG leaders. Nadine? Okay, so I'll give them, uh, I'll have a go. So (laughs) I would say keep learning and understanding what's happening because it's moving very fast and leap further afield. Don't Don't be shy. The second thing I would say, empower your team to make a difference. Yeah. And uh, maybe experiment. Uh, That's what we're trying to do here at HSBC. And then I think more important within our financial institution, my emphasis, client base, you know, really, and and even with our customers, you know, we need to collaborate. We need to learn from each other. And, um, you know, there will be a time we compete versus this, but this is the time to really um, engage and learn from each other. Absolutely. So a lot easier to be brave and curious when you've got the right team and the right partners at your side, for sure. Siraj, your final thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, build, building on what Nadine said here, and 
you know, I think starting with uh, taking the steps to learn about the industry, because this is an area that is evolving and there's a number of ways that companies can make a positive impact, not only from their core activities, but also through the cash management uh, process. So treasurers have different ways of making that impact. So there are options presenting. So, you know, do explore that. I think data and transparency of that information is something I would say continue to be vocal about, ask, and and we will see the industry sort of evolve in that space as well. And and finally, from a from a social standpoint, I think you know as Nadine said, you know it is a period where understanding the balance of how business is being done, how people are operating. Uh, is something that we see also has a tremendous impact on people's productivity as well. So again, something that we we, we as an organization are obviously uh, quite passionate about and us as individuals and, and leaders as well are, are quite vocal about making making a difference from a social standpoint as well. Yeah, making a change. I like what Nadine said earlier about just being realistic about how you know work and home life, they, they coexist now and that's how it has to be. And it's nice to see that making those changes and bringing in those mindful moments Mondays, etc. Well, thank you both ever so much for joining us today. It's been a, a genuine pleasure having you here and hearing about everything that's going on at HSBC and how you're supporting your clients. So very much appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you to you. Thank you. Thank you, Eleanor. This has been HSBC Cyber Spotlight, a podcast mini-series produced especially by TMI for HSBC Global Viewpoint. To discover other episodes in this series, head to HSBC's globe at treasury-4-0.com or search for HSBC Global Viewpoint on Apple and Spotify. And to find out more about HSBC's presence at Cybos, visit gbm.hsbc.com forward slash Cybos. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. For more information about anything you heard in this podcast or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.